viewers and listeners. Just a little bit of a message prior to the podcast for Valerie Thompson. Uh, it was a chat that I thoroughly enjoyed having with Valerie. Sadly, one of the computers, which was mine, had a bit of a glitch when we we're doing the recording and basically destroyed my audio. So the audio that you'll get to receive is basically all through a speaker on Valerie's end. And uh, something that I'm very focused on is to try and put out the best possible shows with the quality of audio and video uh, for my listeners. So I apologize for that. Secondly, thank you to everyone that's been listening to the show for, you know, we're approaching 12 months in the next few weeks. We've got some really good guests to try and celebrate the, uh, the 12 months. And um, the other part is everyone that's taken the time out to, you know, screenshot the episodes that they're listening to, sharing it on their social platforms, subscribing onto YouTube, um, writing reviews on iTunes, all that stuff really, really helps. So yeah, keep it going and uh, hope you're enjoying it. Any feedback that you do have to help improve the show and everything, really take it on board and um, yeah, appreciate your, hope you enjoy the episode and once again, apologize for the poor sound on this one. Welcome to the Talk and Chat Experience powered by Gasoline Alley Harley-Davidson. Today's guest is the world's fastest female motorcycle racer, Sturgis Hall of Fame inductee um, and, what, eight-time record holder. So many different things. Welcome, Valerie Thompson. Thank you. Absolute pleasure to have you on board. Um, yeah, thanks once we reached out and thanks so much for, I don't know, you and I have gone through a fair few emails to try and get this happening. So thank <laughs> you so sure much for your time, <laughs> Thank gosh for emails, right? <laughs> oh, geez, it makes it good. Who's Valerie Thompson? Who is Valerie Thompson? Yeah. Oh, Valerie Thompson is the world's fastest female motorcycle streamliner in the world at 328 miles per hour with eight land speed records with many other accomplishments. <laughs> My list is about this long <laughs> and still Well, that's growing. what I was going to say. And just doing an intro, it's very difficult to do an intro on you because you have got, you've accomplished so much, hey? Uh, you know, it, it's a... It's a great accomplishment to accomplish things, <laughs> but when you're writing out your sponsor package and you're writing out your proposals or your bio, it, on the back of the autograph card, uh, it gets a little long and you have to kind of leave some stuff out. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can only imagine. Is this something like uh, that you'd planned on doing basically forever or how did you get into it? No, I, well, I was a former banker. I worked in the banking industry uh, right soon after high school and um, I uh, worked there for 13 years and I got laid off and it was like, what am I going to do with my life? Oh my gosh, I, I have no plan. I don't know. Uh, I love banking. My aunt was in the banking industry. Um, I, you know, so I just wanted to enjoy life. And when I enjoyed life, things came, you know, it's like, I didn't ever think I would be riding a motorcycle and I just rode a motorcycle strictly for the passion, uh, for two wheels, open, wide open, you know, in some areas. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I proceeded to, you know, meet a lot of friends. I've had some really good friends that really pushed my limits to uh, riding a bike. And um, they actually told me that I had to ride to keep up if I really, mm. if I wanted to ride with them. So well, what does Valerie do? She goes into the, you know, the, the defensive side and, you know, puts on her A game and rides a motorcycle and with the guys and I try to keep up the best way I can, could. And so with that being said, they really pushed me to my limits and making me understand, you know, I don't have to be this little girl riding on two wheels. Um, 
and staying in the background, you know, I can be up front with the rest of them. It's such a, um, yeah, such a passable eh? like the way you've done it. Um, tell me this, you're from Washington? I'm from correct? Washington State, yes. What was the riding like around that place? Oh, it's amazing. You know, you have a lot of mountains you can go uh, through. There's lots of water, the lakes, you know, the C downtown Seattle, um, yeah, Westlake Center and the Bellevue area. I mean, you've got so many places to ride. Um, and it's just beautiful scenery. It, it, um, it looks like, I've been, I've been to Washington, it looks like a beautiful spot. It like is. As well, like it really is. You just have to go there in the right months because it can be a little bit rainy and a little bit gloomy days. <laughs> I, uh, okay, very, very true. When did you make the move? Because you're in Arizona now? Uh, yes, I made the move in Arizona. It was shortly after, you know, I started riding, got used to knowing some people in the motorcycle industry, and I loved the industry so much that, um, you know, after my first bike, uh, I bought a Harley, another Harley-Davidson. I sold my, my 1999 Sportster 1200 Custom three months later, and I bought me a Harley-Davidson Fat Boy because I said I need to ride to catch up to these guys. That Sportster was a little bit rough. It was not the counterbalanced engines. You know, it was not, it was rough. It, you could go 100 miles on there. It was like it beat you up. You felt like you just went 300 miles <laughs> on our roads in Washington. It was a bit rough. So I converted over to the Harley Davidson Fatboy and I still have it to this day. It's a year 2000, so it's 21 years old. Um, wow. And yeah, so that's what was the startup of my career is riding that bike and you know going to all these bike events um anywhere from sturges to the laughlin river run to uh, daytona um and D daytona beach for daytona bike week um i went to just about every single uh big bike event uh, and i ended up in arizona and i said to myself my first time i said if any one place i'm ever gonna live it's gonna still arizona and then Four years later, here I am, yeah. and now I'm a permanent resident since uh, the year 2004. Wow. That's and I wasn't even a racer then. I was just a writer. I moved to Arizona, and I knew not one single person. I, I mean, I knew people come and go, but they were just my friends that lived in Washington that had a second home here in Arizona. Um, and so what I did was I stayed at one of my friend's house in a condo and he's like, just stay as long as you want. You need to make sure that you want to enjoy this 110 degree weather before you commit to buying a home. Well, I already had a home in Washington, so um, I ended up buying a, a condo <laughs> and um, oh, really? ended up selling my house and um, you know my, fr my friends, my family are all there. But I just fell in love with Arizona because it's such a sunshine state and um, the weather is amazing. You can ride everywhere and anywhere. Um, not no, Even though I didn't have any friends when my friends would come and go through, you know, back and forth to Washington, to Arizona, it was still like you're left like sitting there and like, oh, I'm Severance Bay. I have a bank account. What am I going to do with my life? <laughs> I think I rode motorcycles. I, I rode my motorcycle and you know, I ended up meeting some of the most amazing people here in Arizona. Um, and that really took my career into the next stage of what, who I am and where I've become right now.
So did you continue, and I guess you would have had to, um, your normal nine to five work as such when you went to Arizona? I guess that's what um, happened. No, there. I didn't. You know, I was thinking, I was like, I wanted to reinvent Valerie. I wanted to find, you know, where do I start? I got to start from ground zero. I can always go back to, you know, being a banker. Um, you know, I worked in the legal department. I worked my way up through the industry. Um, and it was I've, every job that I had that I did work in the banking industry was the most amazing job. I thought it was mm -hmm. the most amazing job. Um, you know, I'd start early, get off late, and you know I love the interaction with the people. Um, you know, and I love I love numbers. I, I still love numbers, but I love <laughs> crunching numbers. I loved it. So um, it it was uh, definitely one of my most favorite jobs you know, behind a desk-ish cubicle. So, and so, so you went there, um, what was the experience like of like, obviously 2004, some of these times, what was Daytona Bike Week in that, like at that time? Oh, it was That's great. You know, yeah. I participated in a lot of the rides, the events. And at that point I was already, uh, already built up getting to know the bike builders, um, some of, you know, the prominent people in the uh, industry, you know, anywhere from Billy Lane to Jesse, uh, uh, Jesse uh, James to all those people. I mean, it was just like, you know, you, you would see them and you would walk up to them. They're like, oh, hi, Valerie. And they'll be like, oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, it just makes me feel so warm and fuzzy uh, that they would remember my name, you know. Uh, and a lot of the old time uh, builders, too, uh, that, you know, aren't really around so much, but... Um, you know, it's just a, they're always a slice of heaven to chat with and um, to see what they were doing and watch their uh, their bikes and their companies grow. Jesse Durans from Legend Air Ride Suspension was, um, you know, one of my favorites when I first started because I really loved what he did. He took his marketing to the next level. He took the logos, the colors, and everything. I was like, yeah. that's kind of where I learned all of that from. And he's actually a person that ended and inducted me into the Sturgis Hall of Fame. So um, wow. one of my first sponsors, um, you know, that, that, that took that leap of faith and um, helped me out. <laughs> That's huge. To look at, to look at your stuff currently, um, and, and I've said this before with some other people, your, your, your brand as such, your market now, mm -hmm. is that something that has been influenced by those people back then, do you feel? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, when I, oh, who was, what was the, the builder? Um, can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but it'll come to me. Um, I, I waited in line just to get his autograph. And as I was waiting, I was like, gosh, this guy takes forever. And I was like, you know, I mean, I waited in line for, uh, 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 the Tuttles, you know, while they were, you know, doing yeah. their fancy self, Paul Sr., Paul Jr., Tuttles from Orange County Choppers. And as I'm waiting there for this one specific guy to get his autograph, I noticed what he was doing. And this is what, what I took from that. And I said, if he was actually drawing on a piece of paper to fans, uh, just drawing something, you know, it was just being artful and, and sort of writing mm -hmm. to their name and you know, X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. And his name, he was actually drawing something. And it was like, you know, I would, I would do that. If I ever get mm. like you, if I ever get big and, you know, and have a name brand or have a name out there for myself, I'm going to do that. So I always, I take the time and write up my signature. Um, and you know, I just want them to see it. 
Uh, I want them yeah. to know that when they stop by my pits or when they stop by my area, Valerie was signing that name because you can read it. <laughs> That's a um, it's a cool thing, and, and like uh, you, you've obviously been in a situation where you've fanned out on people and whatnot. Mm -hmm. To be on the other side of it and see and experience that would be a really, um, really nice thing to have, honey. Absolutely, and you learn from those people, uh, mm -hmm. you know. And I learned from him, and I wish I could remember his name off off the top of my head, but it seemed to have slipped my my memory, but. Um, it, it was one of those things that you just don't forget and you know like so now I put the roles are reversed for me now everybody you know they come up to me and they want my autograph well I take my time with them if they're little kids I get on my knees and yeah. make sure they give me a hug or a high five or um, or you know I'd, so a lot of the little boys I like or girls I say okay give me a kiss give me a good luck kiss <laughs> <laughs> you know it's 50-50 they do or they don't but one, per, one guy, a little kid, comes by, two of them, they're brothers, and they both gave me kisses at the same time. It was like, ah, yes. <laughs> it was my good it's luck kiss for something. my race. <laughs> That's it. It's something that I'll treasure for so long. You know, like it's uh, something I'll probably remember for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. What was the uh, what was the first experience? Was it drag strips or was it? Yes. Did you do any circuit? drag yes. strips? Yeah. It was uh, drag racing was my first because <laughs> when I was told I was out of control on my street bike to take it to the racetrack and that's really how I started to do my drag racing and, and explore drag racing. Um, you know, work. Uh, I used to be, uh, I used to go to the drag races and I remember watching Kenny Bernstein and Brandon Bernstein that race for Budweiser is top fuel um, and uh, in the top fuel class and so I remember watching them, you know, and I watch how they work with their fans and um, and then I proceeded to watch others, you know, in the industry, you know, whether it be two wheels, four wheels, um, I watched it and um, I, I always said, gosh, I'd really like to do that, but I don't know how, I don't know where to start, I don't know how to do it. Um, but since then, you know, it was like years before that, then now I was told I was out of control, take it to the racetrack and a couple of people, uh, my friends, and we all took it to the racetrack couple months later and I never left. <laughs> wow. What was that first racetrack? Where was that at? Was that in Arizona? Yeah, it was in Arizona. Yep. Is that, that a drag strip? Uh, it was at, at Surprise, um, one of the racetracks there, or it was at uh, Firebird Raceway, which is kind of going away. It's, it's not going to be there anymore. They're tearing it down. <laughs> uh, that happens everywhere, hey? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> What was uh, what were you on at that stage? Was that one of your Harleys? Uh, that was on my Fat Boy, yes. Yeah, was it was boy? my Fat Boy. I learned how to drag race on my Fat Boy on the racetrack. Yes. That's um, pretty damn cool. And then when um, the, the my friends, they owned a, a shop, um, and it was called Custom Performance, and Nick Trask and Charlie Mitchell. Um, Nick Trask is the one that told me I was out of control. I'll take it to the track. So... Charlie Mitchell was the responsible one and said, um, he said, let's go to the track. So we went to the track. So that's how that happened. Wow. When, when did you get turned on to salt racing? Well, I got turned on to salt racing uh, from my sponsor, uh, Jesse Jurens from Legendary Ride Suspension. He's wanted me to ride his, he invited me to come to the salt flats in 2005. Um, no, 2004. 
And so when I, you know, I was so deathly afraid to go to, to uh, the Bonneville Salt Flats. I had no idea what the Salt Flats was. All I knew it was yeah. like being in Washington, it was, uh, you know, it's gonna be, it looks like ice. You know, if I turn the wrong way on a motorcycle, I'm gonna slip right over. <laughs> I'm gonna pinch a tent on my motorcycle. Um, I was trying to think of every excuse in the book not to go like, oh, I'm sick or I'm belly, you know, whatever it was. I was trying to come up with something. I said, nope, I gotta put my big girl panties on and I gotta go for it. I just have to, I, I can't do that. You know, I, I don't know how to lie. I don't know how to like, you know, say I'm sick when I'm really yeah. not. So um, <laughs> I did it and it was one of the most amazing things that I've ever done. Uh, Charlie Mitchell, uh, and Nick Trask from uh, the custom shop, which is now uh, Trask Performance here in Arizona, he um, set up this V-Rod and I rode the V-Rod and I went 153 miles per hour in a run with Chebron in the year 2005. So that's when I wow. started. <laughs> and it was just for fun. It's... It was just because my sponsor wanted me to ride his really long custom low ride motorcycle. And I never got the chance to ride it on the salt because he took a few passes down the salt in it and ended yeah. up blowing up the engine. So um, that's how that happened. <laughs> so I'm guessing prior to that, like on the drag strip, uh, what are we saying? Maybe 100, 120 mile an hour, maybe? Um, at the time, my highest speed was 145 miles per hour on the V rods. And then uh, yeah. A couple of miles, a couple of years later, I took uh, upon myself and thinking that I was really going to be really good, I went to the NHRA Pro Stop motorcycle uh, bike, mm. and um, yeah, that was a handful. <laughs> I have to say, it took me a long now, time to master that one. <laughs> was this the Buell that this you had? The Buell, yeah. Yeah, I and that was difficult quite, to ride. Oh yeah, I never quite mastered it. I, I never quite had really a good opportunity to really, you know, get out there and really show what I was made out of. Um, because I didn't have a sponsor that was that big enough. Because once you go to the NHRA, you know, that's big. There's <laughs> um, a big coin there, hey? Yes. And I, uh, uh, unfortunately, when I was out there trying to make my debut, I had this large sponsor and everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, uh, the economy just took a big, huge downward spiral tank. And I lost all my sponsors except for some miscellaneous ones that hung on. And but it wasn't enough to get out there and go race because obviously that's quite expensive. I mean, just the engine alone, at least a forty thousand dollar engine per engine, wow. and you could go out first round. You could blow it up. You know, you could blow up bits and pieces. It's not going to cost forty thousand, but you know, for a custom built engine to go into that motorcycle, it's a good forty thousand dollars at that time back in those days. So I, I think it's a lot cheaper now. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the logistics of it back then. Like were you just traveling around doing an NHRA circuit in a in a pickup or something? How was that yeah. happening? I, I, I was doing the uh, All Harley Drag Race Association and I would travel with my dog, Reckon, um, throughout yeah. all of the events. Uh, there was like 14 different uh, uh, races in uh, 14 different states and I got on my truck and pulled the trailer right behind it and I traveled with my dog and um, I had a crew chief and, and some friends that um, we kind of followed each other as well 
So that was a pretty good thing, you know. Um, and I would rent, you know, go in a hotel um, and, and stay. And sometimes I would just sleep in my truck because it was, it was too cold, you know. Like, it was too cold to get out. And, you know, I didn't yeah. want to get... I wanted to get on the road really early and it was safe where I was. And, you know, it was just, you know, a nice little setup for me. I could go in the trailer and, and go in there and sleep on my cot with my dog. And <laughs> and I would That's bust cool. out miles like you would not believe. Uh, that Dodge Dooley truck is and trailer were off. They're so amazing. I still have both of them. Um, wow. Now I now we travel with two dogs, husband and, and a coach. And in the trailer, it's and now we're about... 40, or I'm sorry, 75 feet long. <laughs> Are you serious? It's that many people now? Yeah, so we, we've, we've increased. I've definitely increased my family uh, because now I'm married. <laughs> and now I have yeah. two two dogs that are very um, high maintenance and I'm just the one that's high performance, right? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Was it good times doing it back then when it was just, oh, just you know, in a trailer? It sure was because it really showed uh, showed me who I who I am, what I've become, um, what yeah. I can do, and um, yeah. there was really no no in my my dictionary. Like no, there was not a way that I could not do that because I could. I mean, I've been wow. broke down on the side of the road. I've been repaired, you know, repairing my equipment. Um, I never quite had a good successful tire change by myself because when you have a major blowout, it's you know, it's just it was horrible. <laughs> Um, but you know, I've caught on fire in the trailer. I mean, I've, I've had lots of things happen. <laughs> All those sorts of things that happen when you go racing. Hey? It is. And that's, that's life on the road. So the laugh in the life yes. in the fast lane, life on the road. Um, you know, there's, it just, things happen. So I've seen some pretty, pretty horrific crashes along my journey and, yeah. um, saw some snakes and, um, which I don't like. <laughs> But, yeah. Um, yeah, saw some good things, some bad things. I've met some really awesome people just even on the road and so many truckers. And I never, I never had an appreciation for a truck driver um, until I started being on the road and living life on the road. Um, and those truck drivers are amazing. I mean, I was sponsored with Monster Energy Drink was my first sponsor. And they would raise up their monster can and gave me a wonk wonk and a high and a and kids you know waving at me and um you know just people holding up their monster cans going down the freeway um or just giving me now they just they just give me high fives and they honk and they take pictures and as i'm going up the hill they they try to they're trying to read the trailer and and I'm sitting there like, wait a minute, I gotta go, I gotta go. I'm going up and up and up and going in a trailer in the hill. <laughs> wait a How minute. How cool is that, hey? Seriously. It's really cool. And you know, and then when I go to the um to the gas station, you know, and I used to fill up uh when I was just driving with riding with my truck and trailer uh and my dog and you know, the kids would come up and talk to my dog and you know and they would I would you know invite them in and show the kids my trailer you know they wouldn't go in or they would go in and you know I'd open up my doors because I always made sure that the trailer was still attached along with the bike and everything's in place and because you know the, everything gets loose in there um, yeah. in the back of the trailer so you always want to make sure that you know your tires are equipped you know your race equipment's equipped everything is you know, snug in there. So when I would open up the door, I'd sign autographs. One time I signed autographs for 45 minutes, wow. <laughs> just sitting there. And, you know, I was like, I really, 
don't have to get on the freeway, but I really want to, but I like this. <laughs> and I just yeah. took in that, uh, that extra moment to just be there and do that. And, you know, I wish today I could come back around and meet all those people, terrific people that I've met along the way. Yeah, all those miles. And people, a lot of people don't understand how far you have to travel to do these sports, hey? Yeah. And, and, and the pains and the, and you know, the, the things that go wrong and the things that go right, you know, there's, it's a, it's a handful of things of right and wrong, but you know, it does take an army to, you know, yeah. be a team owner and, and, and to do the things that, you know, we do behind closed doors as well. Tell me about riding the destroyer. How was that? Oh, the V-Rod Destroyer was amazing. I loved it. I mean, if I could get on a V-Rod Destroyer and go race at the all Harley drags, I would do it in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in my second... That was an enjoyable time. Yeah. In my second year uh, of racing, back in 2007, I came third in the national points. And, wow. um, you know, so out of probably 40-plus riders, you know, and that's at the time that I said... I might want to go to the NHR. I think it's time. I want to go faster. I want the big bam. <laughs> wow. I was ready it, for um, that too. And right on that GFC time too, like obviously that's what you spoke of. Uh, the sport was just accelerating so fast, eh? Just just prior to that, like it was in such a boom, eh? Mm -hmm. After the NHRA experience, where did you go? Did you go to more drag stuff or then, then did you decide to go back into the salt? Well, um, I, you know, I, I was testing for uh, the the shop motorcycle for a good eight to ten months, um, yeah. and when I started to do really well, then I went asked my crew chief Jim, and I said I went seven seven oh six uh, seven six seven seconds in the quarter mile seven oh six in the quarter mile at one hundred ninety two yeah. miles per hour I think it was, and uh, I said, is it time yet? Because he said, I'll let you know when it's time then when you can go into and enter into the NHRA, you know, yeah. race event. And um, I looked at him and I said, well, we better, I did seven seconds and a quarter mile, seven oh seconds, seven oh six. And, and I said, I better do that again. I don't think that was right. So I did 7.09 seconds. <laughs> wow. And, um, and I go, I guess I did do it right. I guess the, the ticket wasn't lying because, you know, that, that ticket tells you everything, you know. I just thought maybe it was an error. <laughs> yeah. um, I said, can we do that again? And so I certainly did. And I said, okay, do you think I'm ready? And he said, absolutely. I think you got it. But we went yeah. there just to get our feet wet. Um, we entered four races that year and we got our feet wet. And, uh, you know, big, huge surprise at, you know, how people, um, the fans and the other writers and the other racers, you know, in different classes, how they, how they were there. I mean, they were so great and so friendly. Um, and then when you start doing really well, they're not so friendly to you. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny thing. I don't know. Yes. Yep. You know, when I first, you know, was testing and I'd see some of my fellow stop motorcycle racers and I'd be like, you know, I go to the events, uh, you know, without my bike, without anything. I just show up, you know, with some uh, racers and some people of my, of my yeah. former racers that I raced with. And we would go to the tracks and they're like, Father, when are you going to get out here? And I thought, you know, they were going to welcome me with open arms. And it wasn't like that. You know, Karen Stouffer mm -hmm. uh, was the only one that came up to me and really, like, welcomed me 
you know, her and her right. husband, Gary, were the only ones that were, that welcomed me to be there. But everybody kept saying, when are you going to come? When are you going to come? Can't wait to see out here. Can't wait to see out here. Well, I get out there and nobody says nothing, you know? Isn't, um, isn't human nature a terrible thing? Yes. Like, that's just how we're sort of programmed. I, yeah. I had a, when I was doing some road racing, I had a gentleman that was a very, very close friend, right? Uh, yeah. And, um, like we rate, I followed him around racing for a few years and I was never faster, but the day I was faster, everything changed, like on that day. And it's like, what, what does it have to be like this? Like I've followed you for two years trying to beat yeah. you and I, I get faster for one day and it just disappears. Right. And, you know, I was no threat to nobody, you know. I mean, I was just out there trying to get my feet wet, just, you know, I was yeah. treating it as, you know, a race event um, and I wanted, and I wanted us to do real well, but... You know, it's more for getting used to the lay of the land because if I'm going to go and do 17 races, I better know what I'm in it for, you know? And so just yeah. to get my feet wet was a great experience. Um, I wish I could have continued, uh, you know, many more race events, but I, I ended up coming into the last four races of the season. So... Um, and at that time, at the end of the year, I was like, yes, I got me a sponsor. But then, you know, that soon quickly went right away. Um, yeah. 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 Such, a, such a poor time for those sorts of sports. Like, as soon as that happened, it just dried up. Yes. Went, poof. But reinvent yourself you... is, is so amazing as well. So, you know, to me, I said, you know, my husband and I were um, thinking about, you know, I was thinking about going back. You know, I got me another bike. Yep. You know, I since then I had been away from drag racing for about five years, you know, for a good four years, five years. And I tried to acclimate myself back into the world of NHRA. Um, and I just, I just didn't do good. You know, I, there's a lot of things that were wrong that I was doing, you know, and it was all because of me. It wasn't because of the bike. Wow. It wasn't because of the mechanics. It wasn't anything. But I just wasn't literally strong enough anymore to ride it, you know. I didn't work out as much at work, do my workout training regimen. I didn't do that very well. You know, I just did enough to keep me going, but I didn't do yeah. enough to keep me like a Hercules woman. Because <laughs> you got to be, you know, you have to be. <laughs> yeah, because some mean. of those times, like you're talking seven O's and stuff, like it, to hold on must be just crazy, eh? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the G-force yeah. alone is three point three second uh, 3.3 3 g4 so um that's that was the hardest part of learning how i could do everything else right it was just yeah. it was my upper strength my lower strength my core um it was my strength and you know my mind and my strength really had uh, a lot to play with that so you really have to mm -hmm. drag racing and land speed racing you know they all say it's 90 percent mental and i agree because <laughs> When your head's um, not there, don't do it. That's when you can get in a lot of trouble. With the um, with the speeds, like, uh, do you have like blocks of speed as such? Like, you know, say a hundred to one hundred and sixty might feel like something. Probably feels like nothing after all these years. But does it feel like chunks of speed when you're doing it? No, because mm -mm. when you when you're the difference between a sit-on bike. Okay, so the sit-on bike, you feel you feel the wind, uh, you feel yep. everything, and when you know that you're gonna go left, <laughs> well, you can yep. lean. You know, you can lean into it. You can fight the wind, or the wind, uh, you know, is fighting you to the left. You can 
you know, pull yourself back into it, you know, back, back yeah. into the center of the track. But when you're going 200 miles per hour, or even 150 miles per hour, you better not lift a finger. You better not wiggle your toes. <laughs> or you better not do anything else that, I mean, you just better not lift up because that's your parachute. When you're yeah. on a sit-on bike, it's literally a parachute. And that's what actually I had used to actually stop me. When I got to a certain speed, I could get up slowly and then, um, you know, use that for a parachute to kind of slow down the bike a little bit easier and being gentle on the clutch and on the engine. Crazy. That's yeah. A, that's, so yeah. When now I'm in the, um, the streamliner. I feel yeah. no wind. Like I had to throw, Dennis Manning says, whatever you know about riding a motorcycle, throw it out the door. Really? I said, uh, how am I going to do that? You know, because I use my body to steer and to get me back into the groove where I need to be um, on a yeah. snow bike. And I've been 217 miles per hour in a one mile stop standing on my BMW S1000RR at an event, you know, to set a record. And not on the salt flats, but on a one mile paved uh, track. And um, yeah. But now that I'm in a streamliner with being in a cockpit and being fully enclosed, wearing a fire suit, no leathers, no leather gear, just everything fire, a five prong yeah. harness attached. I am suffocated. I am like, <laughs> I'm sunken in there. I cannot move and there is no room to wiggle. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How, like you said about mentally before, how mentally do you prepare for something like that? Boy, I tell you, I got some really great music. Uh, you know, I do all the preparation, yeah. you know, before um, I do anything, before I go to any race event. Like right now, I'm in full-blown training mode. I'm, you know, I'm working out. I'm, I'm using my training regimens for, um, I'm getting adjusted. Um, and yeah. I got my new sponsor that adjusts me. They're based out of uh, Scottsdale here. They're called Kazan uh, Progressive Health. And... Um, and amazing they're helping me you know relax me and get my bones in, or my my spine all right and you know just yep. you know just helping my body you know as i'm working out with my trainer um so because you're you're racing this weekend hey i am gonna be racing uh next weekend so next this weekend, weekend uh, i don't leave until I, I leave on monday monday and where's that at uh that's in arkansas so I'm going to be yeah. traveling uh, 1,500 miles just to get there. <laughs> that is crazy. That is so cool. But I'm going so to what's be, this event? I'm going to be on a uh, Kawasaki, like a Kawasaki. That's a big boy bike. <laughs> yeah. What sort of Kawasaki is it? Do you know? Um, okay. Yes. I was just, I just had my paperwork, but I guess I lost it. Um, um, oh, it's a Kawasaki uh, 1440cc. Uh, Gen 2 Kawasaki ZX144R. And is this a drag racing event? Uh, what's that? Is this a drag racing event? Oh, no, it's not a drag racing event. No, not a drag racing event. It is a, a one mile uh, event. It's yep. called the Arkansas Mile. And yep. it's in a little town called Blytheville. And it's on a, um, uh, airport. So they close it all down and well, they don't close it all down, but they, you know, yeah have it made for a track they do the measurements you know across and down and put the timing lights down and you know they call it an event so it's a great event they run it really well that's really cool yeah 
one mile, like that's 1.6 kilometers for Australia. Um, so what sort of speeds can you do in a mile? On like obviously there's the S1000 was 217 miles an hour. Is that pretty current still? Um, yes, that's pretty current uh, uh, as a current record. Yeah. As, uh, you know, I haven't followed the Texas Mile in a while, but I'm not. I'm not too sure if it's still uh, up there holding. I know some of my yeah. records are, um, are are out there holding. Um, some of my records have been retired because the event is no longer uh, around. But so yeah. I guess when you want to go down in the record books, you go down that way. <laughs> yeah, that's um, perfect. Yeah, so we're hoping to do a you know over two hundred miles per hour in this at this event. Um, I raced it at the Bonneville Salt Flats just to get my feet wet on on the bike. Um, yeah, and uh, that was great. I went one hundred ninety nine point nine miles per hour. Evidently, there was some sort of um, cap or some sort of preventive uh, mechanism yeah. that would just prevent anybody from going over 200 miles per hour. But wow. the uh, Turbo Tiger team, they took it to the Texas Mile um, a couple of months ago and uh, somebody rode it for him and uh, and he went like 209 miles per hour, somewhere in that vicinity. So. That's I'm going to see what I can do, you know. It's been a while since That's I've been good. on pavement, so I'm sure I still got it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. What, what's your, your feeling? The first time you went to bon Bonneville, can you remember what it was like? Just, just to, like, uh, I visited there personally, and the first time I went there, I'm like, this looks like out of space. Yeah. What was, do you remember what it was like the first time you just went there visually? The first time when I was on standing on the salt, the first thing I did yeah. was touch and feel the salt, and then I tasted it. And I said, yeah, yeah tastes just like salt. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was totally blown away. You know, like when you feel it when you're a little kid in the candy store and your eyes are this big and you're looking at yeah. all the candy and you're like, you don't know which one, where, which one you want, you know, which, what do you want? <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. Well, you don't know where to go in the body of those salt flats, unless if it's very well marked for a race event, but you get out yeah. there and you look at the open, the freeness and nothing, no trees, you know, like on a actual race, we have brought in, you know, we bring our own stuff out there to, you know, tents and, you know, trailers and our coaches out there, RVs and whatnot. But, you know, where do you go potty at? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's nothing. It's just mother nature. It's, it's, just, it's just a wonderful uh, experience to be on the salt flats. It, when you walk away after the week, because you're quite commonly there, it's a week, eh, basically? It's what? That's right. Uh, Are you there for like a week usually? Oh, yeah, you're correct? there for a week. You know, you don't, yeah, you're there for a week. You come home and you're burnt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. Um, What's it like? Like when you leave the place, you, you've been like in nature for, you know, around horsepower, but within nature for a week, it'd be a weird feeling walking away from that place after that time, I reckon. You know, when you walk away from that place, you, you get a little sad because it's like, oh my gosh, I was all my racing friends and my family, you know, they're just yeah. friends, they're my family. Um, you know, being on the salt flats and, and looking back, you know, it's like, you feel like you're on the moon. It's another world out there. It's calm. It's still, um, you know, your your eyes are only limited by the distance. It's just a scenery. The scenery is just in the surface. And you, like, look at the surface and you're like, you race on that? You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
The traction is not very forgiving. However, you know, that's where we can make it up for us. When you got a good team and they know how to put um, the power of the, the tires to the torques to the, the gearing and, you know, to do all of that um, engine management uh, and apply it to the yeah. salt because, you know, traction is not our best friend. And I'm guessing over the time, since you first started it too, your um, the technology's increased so much, like you're saying, engine management and stuff like that. There must be so much into your efforts now, hey. There must be, because you're saying the amount of staff that are there alone, you know, there must be so much into it, yeah? Yes. I'm not sure what the question was. Uh, like, how, how much has it changed, I guess, in, in those times? Like, from when you oh, first went to now, right. the big well, crew of you go and everything, you know? Yeah, well, it's definitely changed. Um, you know, the salt texture, the, um, the thickness of the salt has 100% gone downward. Um, it, the salt is really? so thin now. Yes, the salt is so thin here in the United States that for some big heavy vehicles, it's not that safe, you know, to even uh, go on um, because it's so heavy. Um, I raced uh, when, uh, when I had a little downtime uh, on the salt flats, I was chose to race uh, in a car. It's, it's called the Target 550 uh, Streamliner and mm. um, I was testing in the streamliner and that streamliner was 43 feet long, you know, almost 9,000 pounds. So it had two Dodge Hemi engines, uh, you know, you name it, it had it. I sat in the rear uh, and looked over those two big Dodge Dually engines. And then I don't look at those when I race. I look at my, you know, to, I look at my target, but um, sitting way back there was definitely an adjustment you know my scenery definitely changed at that time um, yeah. but you know that we were you know wanting to actually the vehicle that I was going to race in Australia um, in 2000 and 2021 is still in Australia <laughs> is that still sitting here mm -hmm. well because you were really close eh? Like yeah. it was days or something first, out before you're going to come. The first day, the first year when the COVID struck at 2020, yeah. Um, yeah, day before we were getting ready to, to get on that plane. And let me just remind you how many months it takes to prepare <laughs> to go to go there, you know. You got your team yeah. uniforms, your autograph cards, you got your gear, you got your, you know, make sure that you have extra gear for your own self, you know, my fire suits, you know, my helmet, clicks, this, yeah. that, the other, you know, you have to think of every nook and cranny, and not to mention, you got to bring things because you're in the outback, and I was going to yeah. stay in this little one-bedroom room that only had a bed and an end table, well, I was buying things from Amazon <laughs> to like hang and brought, I was bringing a hammer so I could nail something on the wall so I could hang something to even like put, you know, something to hang my clothes up if I needed to wash them, you know, just something I was trying to be creative to put in the room. And I got really good. I, I really nailed it all down. Um, yeah. And then the call came and that was devastating, so. Yeah, it's sad, and you know, there's the availability to run the event too. Such a such a small slot. Yeah. Um, you you, you don't get many opportunities to do this, eh? No, 
you get you get one opportunity to go to the yeah. salt flats to Australia and you're prepared, you know. Yeah. And then to have it right before and blown up in your in your face of like, ah you know, I was really sad. I probably went into a racer kind of a depression, I would say. I don't I don't really I wanna I don't wanna say I was depressed, but man, I really had the racer blues. I was so I was just sad. I was literally sad, you know, not to be able to go because we created this hype and yeah. we we pound away right before like months before we had to get everything in the container. We literally I blew two engines <laughs> because the really? because when I was testing at one of the events prior to it going into the container, two engines blew up. Um, I was porpoising down the track and because the the track is, you know, it was prepared, but it's, you know, it's just not enough for that car to go down that racetrack. It just didn't have um, a good track, you know, there was no traction yeah. for it. Of, um, and it was so heavy and it made it porpoise. So when the RPMs go up and it hits the rev limiter and you can imagine what it would do to two, two Dodge Hemi engines. <laughs> And those yeah, guys so slaved away and worked day and night to get those, uh, to get those engines done right and to get everything packed. And not only not every not only do you have to get things packed, but I mean think about the carnade you know list that you have to provide. You have to provide in that container everything yeah. that you need and what ifs everything you need the what ifs type stuff. You can't bring yeah. fuel. You can't have aerosol cans. Um, you can't have air in your tires, you know, just there are so many technical things that you can and you can't have. So yeah. there's a lot, a lot that goes into it. Now I can see what the, when Australia uh, racers come to the United States, what they go through. I mean, I had no idea. <laughs> For sure. Like it's, uh, yeah, and a lot of them do like it. The Bonneville, the opportunity to race it is such a, um, such a thing, it's like a bucket list for so many people. Yeah. You know, people travel all around the world, obviously, to try and race over there. It's a, it's such a huge thing, you know. Yeah, well, that's Bert Munro. <laughs> he was one of those. Yeah. yeah. His story is pretty cool, hey? It story sure is. is actually really I think I watched, I watched that show um, probably 12, 13 times. Yeah, always keep amazing, picking up. You pick up on so much stuff, you know, and, and, and if any of your viewers want to know if I peed on my limit tree, well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not true. Bert Monroe. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, it seemed to work for him, though. It seemed uh, <laughs> <him>. <laughs> that, that town he's from, uh, Invercargill, like, um, they have a Bert, Bert Monroe classic there every year. Yeah. And I, I, I snuck across to it just before COVID hit last year. Yeah. And the town pays such homage to him. It's it's pretty cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's a good place. What's your um what's your memory of riding the S one thousand? Was that a good time? Oh my gosh, it is one of my mo favorite motorcycles. Yeah. It yeah. is so smooth. It is it is just an incredible bike. Um uh, for the price it's, point, you know, to buy one brand new for the price point, it's yep. like wow. It's like you're buying a Bentley. <laughs> you wow. know, it it's just, it feels so nice. It, it's smooth. The transition from going to being a Harley rider to a sport bike rider, that was quite the adjustment for me. Um, yeah, right. You know, everything is so uh, 
sticky and tight. Uh, not sticky, but you know the brakes are a little bit sensitive. <laughs> yeah. You know the throttle is quite amazing when you give it a little bit. It. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Uh, you know the Harley is there. boom, 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 boom. Uh, the bike is. <laughs> so it's funny the difference is like. Yes, absolutely, and, and even your seating proportion. You know how you sit. It's it's quite different. Um, one thing that I did do uh, in my BMW uh, experience of just racing it straight is I said to myself, and I was sponsored with BMW Motorrad here in the United States, um, and they would help me out on parts and, um, you know, just good things, you know, uh, my accessories, my, you know, my, yeah. my suits and whatnot. Um, and I told them I want to go to a school and they sent me to Keith Code um, School for uh, to learn how to ride on the track on a real track. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I went to Barber, um, and yep. it was a Keith Code um, three. I think it was a two three day class, and uh, yeah, it was. I was so deathly afraid when he told me to put it in a fourth gear, go you know X Y Z miles. Per hour, well, they took off the, they put the sticker on the mile per hour, no brakes, no clutch. Um, yep. And I was like, how am I going to do that? The, my bike's going to like go dead. You know, it's like, I'm thinking of a Harley in fourth gear going around a corner, taking it and no braking, uh, no downshifting. Uh, I'm going to kill my engine. Boy, I tell yep. you, that bike was something else. It was a night and day difference. I went wow. around the first curve without doing any of the braking or the, the clutching. I was amazed of what it of what how it handled, first and foremost. Yeah. I I was I had a new appreciation of my motorcycle. <laughs> They're beautiful they are a beautiful motorcycle. They yeah. are good opportunity to be tied up with uh, motor road, hey? Yes, it sure was. Yeah, they would send me down to the uh, Germany uh, for the BMW Motorrad days, and um, I got to do like four years of that. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't make it on my fourth year because my passport expired a few days before I could uh, come home, and they clear it. Um, my passport was not expired, but it was expired because I had to have it renewed like months, like six months, three months before it expired, and I was getting married. Uh, yep. I could go in July and I was getting married in October and I said I'll just wait because I want to put my name change in it you know my new passport yep. I got my paperwork you know I was all ready for that I was planned yep I'll go to there July get married in October I'm good to go well no. perfect yep. I, I would have had my passport but I was waiting on the marriage certificate and make sure I was really walking down the aisle <laughs> Ah, uh, that's frustrating, hey. Don't tell my husband so that. You <laughs> missed out on the fourth year. Tell me this, did you, um, you went to Laguna Seca a few years ago for the Superbike? Yes. That's right? Uh-huh, yeah. They, was that some of the motor or something? Um, no, that was uh, with the Akropovich, my one of my other sponsors. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're my favorite exhaust system. I see it on a car, I see it on a bike, and I go, whoo, whoo. I can hear that, oh, that noise. It is beautiful. And when I did go out yeah. to the BMW Motorrad, um, I did go to Slovenia to the Akropovich uh, uh, 
you know, headquarters. They came pick me wow. up from the uh, the uh, motor uh, not motor road, but uh, Akropovich came pick me up, uh, drove yep. me uh, to uh, Slovenia, uh, Slovenia, uh, and I think that's I think Slovenia, um, and yeah, so I got to stay there and and you know see some uh, you know what was going on behind closed doors at you know not you know on the race and stuff you know I didn't get to see the good stuff but. <laughs> That's cool. Like I love the experience. To even enjoy, I mean, my experience was so awesome. Like looking at things like that, did you think, obviously, and you left a comment on one of my videos the other week about a uh, similar background to Brent, but looking at that, did you ever think that from being a banker to going to the Kropovich factory and motor road in Germany, that's a huge change, eh? Hey? Oh, you know, I, I'm so lucky because I've got to do so much. I've got to uh, yeah. enjoy so many people and so many, uh, a variety of companies. Um, and, you know, to have all that under, you know, under my belt, you would never probably know that I've been to Slovenia, to the Kropovich or Motorrad. And, you know, until you, you know, and you think about it, like I'm thinking about all the lucky, the good things that I got to do in racing. You know, yeah. racing really has, um, taken my own personal uh, mindset, you know, into, you know, wanting to do more and more and be bigger and better and faster. <laughs> faster, faster. Faster. When those, um, when those two Hemis blew up. What's that? Did you see it happen? Oh, uh, I didn't see it happen, but I felt something. <laughs> All I felt was a big little poof and it was quiet. Yep. And uh, I knew immediately that, that I gotta shut off the fuel. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta shut yeah. her down. So yeah, yeah. Being that um, streamliner is that is that scarier than a bike? No. Well, I will say uh, converting over from two wheels to four wheels was uh, an experience yep. of a lifetime. It was. That's probably the best car besides a Bentley that I've ever drove. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're I'm a Bentley serious. fan, hey? It was amazing. I mean. The speed that you can get from that, uh, yeah. the world record for that um, class was 417 miles per hour. Damn, that's fast. It's over 600 k's an hour. It's fast. <laughs> and is that the plan? Is that your? That was the plan for. for that, that was the plan then? for uh, 2020 and the plan for 2021. Yes. So I don't know um, where we sit with it all right now, and. A lot of things are up in the air and, um, you know, to see, are we going to get the car back? Or are we going to leave it there? I, you know, the owner has to make that decision. So, um, and he's based in Oregon. So, um, well, I'll, when I get the green light, wherever I need to go, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to I be the fastest. On, I wanted to be the, you know, in the 400 mile per hour club. Um, I told my husband I retire at 200 and then I said three and now I say four and he's like, yeah, right. I go, I don't I really don't want to go any faster than what I need to. <laughs> wow. What's, the, what's your fastest now? What is it? 300 and? Uh, 323. Uh, yeah. 323 miles per hour is my fastest. And uh, 363 miles per hour is with the crash. Yeah. Tell me about that. What happened there? Um, well, I was on a really good run. It felt great. Uh, the yeah. bike, you know, started picking up speed and then I could feel the transformation of 
the racetrack being smooth. And I said, this is going to be a good ride. You know, like you can talk to yourself. I mean, I don't know if other racers talk to themselves and sure. I have to tell myself to breathe and, you know, like breathe. And, you know, I just, you know, calm down, calm down. You know, I just talk to myself from time to time. Yeah. Um, and I said to myself, it's going to be a good ride. It was so smooth. It was just crystal smooth. And next thing you know, it, I felt something and I was starting to lean over and once you go that way at that speed, you take your hands off the, the, the controls and just keep them close to your body because <laughs> you're going down. Wow. Yeah. You can't lean into the bike to go to the side. You know, you don't feel the wind yeah. first and foremost. Um, you use your, uh, your, uh, prefer you use your peripheral, you know, to see when you're going through the flags that fast. Um, and, yeah. but you use your vision to make sure you're straight by the horizon. And so that's how you balance that motorcycle. Um, and when it went down, uh, to its side, I, I have no idea what happened inside. I don't know what, I don't know what happened in the outside world. And I don't know what happened in the inside world because I literally, um, blacked out. And, um, when I came to is when I was sliding. I slid for about a mile. I don't know what part of that mile that I slid in that I woke up. I just remember I said, if I can wiggle my body, my toes, my, my, my hands, if I can wiggle things, I'd be, I think I'm all right. I mean, my main goal was to get out of that motorcycle so it didn't catch me on fire, even though I have a fire suit, but that's only what, 20 minute fire suit or less. Yep. Um, and, you know, I wanted to see if the bike was okay because I was like, I want to go again. You know, it was so amazing. Nope. I couldn't get out. I, I, I literally, I, I, I mean, I could have got out, but I just sat there and I said, I think I'm going to wait for the paramedics and, and the fire people to come before I do anything crazy. This is, this is not my realm. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Because wow. then I had to come really to, to life, you know, and um, and when I was laying there, they put up this big tarp and I was like, uh-oh, they're putting up a tarp. Like, and I'm still laying here. Well, they were putting up the tarp so people couldn't see and, and it kept my privacy. Um, but I yeah. thought that that was something wrong with me. I thought, am I bleeding? I don't feel anything, but how do I know if I'm bleeding or not? Because I don't feel anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, in my body, I could feel, you know, I could feel I was fine, but you know, if I was there bleeding and there's blood on the floor, I wouldn't want anybody to, you know, I, I wouldn't know because I'm still in my yeah. helmet. I'm still, my, my glove was off, but my, um, everything else was attached. I was still attached to the seat. <laughs> Wow. So, once so I got, when you're on that bike, are you strapped to that as well? Like, Well, I'm strapped in and, and it has this configuration to the back of the bike to where they, to where the back of the engine, where the engine in the back is. They kind of have some apparatus back there. So yeah, yeah it's pretty secure. <laughs> you ain't getting out. Uh, if they threw away the I key, you're not getting out. <laughs> I just can't believe it. I just like I've seen that. I just can't imagine. Like you slid for a mile. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. That's a long way. Yeah, that's a long time. I mean, you know, just yeah. even to to be in a race um, and and go like not only do I go three hundred miles per hour in just one mile, I'm already I'm up to speed. Um, mm. you, know, at, you know, with three hundred miles per hour, uh, I, it takes me literally. 
five, six. Well, I'm already up. I'm five, six miles at 300 miles per hour, holding it, you know, and hoping that it goes faster. So, yeah. you know, at 300 miles per hour, holding the throttle and keeping, you know, check within your balancing and keeping the bike upright um, for, you know, five, six miles. And then to slow down, that's, that's big. <laughs> Just that's alone, yeah. like, my first gear is 190 miles per hour. I have four gears, really? so first gear is 190, second is 285, uh, third gear is about 325, and fourth gear is anything over 350-ish. <laughs> and a good it's... run, you know, to, to maximize uh, those RPMs and to maximize uh, to, you know, go over 375 miles per hour, so. So tell me what happens, like you obviously get to the end, like. Traditionally, this is how it should work. Right. Then you stop, refuel, turn around. Obviously, you've got to do both ways to get the to um, get the record. A yeah. record. Yes. Yeah. So is that what happens? They come. Your team comes up, and is that what happens? Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, the team comes up um, and brings up the trailer because we're uh, a pits on wheels, and we go wherever we go. The the trailer goes, and that's where the bike goes. And because um, there's yeah. certain. Uh, procedures that we need to take and need to do and how we pick up the bike. Um, we use a crane that hangs off to the side of the trailer and it lifts up and puts the bike up on top of this little dolly and then we get to yep. wheel it in. Um, uh, so we've literally, we have two hours to turn around, go through the measured mile of the timing in yep. order to seal the deal for the record. And then they take the average speed and, um, and, and that's how you get your record. <laughs> that's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. So your vision, your 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 vision is literally the strat, like the horizon, is how you prove that you're not on a lead, like a degree or two degrees or whatever. Hey? Correct. I mean, you can see it. You know, I mean, it, it's pretty yeah. visible um, to know. But you know, when you're paying attention to your horizon and you're paying attention to your your gears when to shift, you know, there's a lot that goes on and it doesn't seem like it, but you do one thing at a time, you know, and yeah. you do it nice and smooth. <laughs> no drastic yeah. changes, no looks, no rounds. You know, you don't care who, you don't need to know what's going on the side. All you need to know is I'm in third mile, I'm in the fourth mile, I'm in the fifth mile, I'm at six mile, I'm exiting mile seven and I get to slow down, pull the parachute. Yeah. And then the second, set a parachute comes down at a lower speed and so at a lower speed I pull the parachute. I pulled the parachute my second time uh, at 200 miles per hour and the parachutes went boink. <laughs> it's so funny that right you off. pull that the slower speed. You're talking about 200 miles yeah, an hour. I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> so fast. Yeah. What's the um what's the other plans? Like what what other racing you got? What other stuff do you do you plan to do? Have you got any other things you'd like to break or what is it? Well, um, yeah, I, I do. I have a couple of things. You know, we, obviously we want to get back out there in the Bub 7 motorcycle streamliner. Yep. Uh, we want to go fast. We need to test because, you know, we're rebuilding it from ground zero. Yes, we already had uh, the body, the frame, uh, but we you know, actually we had the mold. But, you know, our frame is consists of carbon fiber, Kevlar, um, uh, honeycomb um, 
and a composite monica 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 <laughs> i can't get i can never say that monica monica so that is our frame you know it's completely yeah. tubeless i mean we have i have one of those real heavy uh, tubes that go over my head for our safety protection but um that you know the shell the outer shell is the outside is the shell so wow. we're we re rebuilt that um and you know we've got some new parts in there uh john jans and dennis manning and uh jim and uh quite a few other archie quite a few of our other teammates are coming over there um and danny and you know a couple times a week uh, and on the weekends you know in between their busy schedule <laughs> You know, trying to yep. make this go around. So, um, yeah, they're working real hard. Uh, you know, getting the parts done and, and putting it back together. It should, it will be uh, ready to go, so we can test. Um, and I don't know what part of the month that we're going to go test. It'll be before our race event in August 28th at the Salt Flats. Yeah, so okay. that's the big thing that I'm working for and I'm working towards. Um, being on the back on the track in the seven uh, and so in the meantime I've taken up a new little fun thing that I really really enjoy uh, and that is pickleball <laughs> I what love is it like pickleball. tennis or something it's a mini version of tennis yeah is it good fun uh, it's great fun I fell in love with tennis or excuse me I used to be a tennis player um, and I fell in love with the sport of pickleball now and I've been playing with my friends play like three, four, five times a week um, yeah. with a variety of different people. And I fell in love with pickleball probably after my eighth, 10th time I played. And a couple of my friends suggested that we build a pickleball court in our backyard. <laughs> and we did. Oh, wow. <laughs> so now. I have a pickleball court. I have a ball machine. I have, I go to pickleball lessons. I'm going to pickleball camp for three days. So one oh, wow. day I want to, um, I've only been doing it for six months. So, um, if I'm anything like my racing career that I've done so much in a short amount of time, I think that I got pickleball in the, in the hat <laughs> or I got pickleball yeah. in the balls. <laughs> Oops. It's, <laughs> it's happening. It that way. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, I don't know if you could use, I don't know if that quote's usable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that could be their marketing thing for it, but uh, yeah. I don't know if we have it in Australia. I've never heard of it here, hey? Yeah, they, you have to have pickleball there. Yeah, You'd be know. quite surprised. Yeah. It's, it's in Japan. I mean, the guy that I take lessons from, uh, Jack Thomas, he's the former U.S. Uh, Pickleball Association uh, president. And, um, yeah. And so, yeah, so he uh, travels all around and he gives me some training. Um some lessons um, here and there when he's you know in between his travels, um, yep. and he's actually come to the house here and played with my friends and I um, to play yep. pickleball. So I mean, if the former president of the pickleball association can come play pickleball with me and my friends, yeah, I think I'm going to be great. <laughs> yeah, you've got to happen straight away. I, I just had a quick look. Yeah, we do have it here. Yeah. Ah, oh, see. If you so play pickleball, you will at first couple of times, and, and you got somebody to kind of show you a little bit of the right way, and and to play with somebody like I play with my friends that are really good, and yeah. um, and it really helps because you know it's like 
it started, the pickleball started out like my motorcycle career started out, or even my passion for riding on a motorcycle. You know, when I got invited to go, I had a, you know, ride to keep up with friends and the guys. And, you know, now I'm invited to play pickleball with all these great, amazing pickleball players, which are my friends. And now it's like, I got to keep up with them now. You know, they're way advanced. They've been playing for, you know, for a bit long, way longer than I ever have. So, um, I've come a long ways in a short time. And, uh, so just trying to be a champ on the racetrack and I'm trying to be a champ on the pickleball court <laughs> one of these days. Perfect. It's good. And it's good to have things outside of engines yeah. and stuff too, isn't it? Sometimes. I, I need a backup career. So pickleball, here I come. Make room for me. Cause I'm coming in fast. <laughs> I mean, pickleball <laughs> is so fast and it's one of the fastest growing sports in america i'm probably in the world I, you know I, uh it's just an amazing sport it's quick you're on your toes and that's one of my training regimens that i actively use uh to train with for doing my cardio um i set my pickleball watch <laughs> you know and yeah. i burn those calories i get a lot of feet steps in it um and it keeps me on my toes and my wrist you know controlling the paddle back and forth and I'm using my yeah. brain, you know, it's like, you know, I got 10 things to do in the cockpit. Well, on the pickleball court, I got 15 things I got to worry about. I can't go over this mm. line. I can't do this. I can't do that. I have to hit the ball here. Can't go over this line. You know, it's like, can't step in the kitchen. Can't do that. It's one of those things that your brain has to actively work 100%. It's like my gears are going on the pickleball court. So... It's cool. And the, and the biggest thing uh, that we all need is uh, hand-eye coordination. Yes. And that's going to be perfect. And you for have to have hand-eye coordination. You've got to watch that ball to make that contact on that paddle. And then you've got to follow your wrist through. It's like if you've ever played cornhole, that's how you hit the ball with your paddle. It's a paddle, not a racket. <laughs> oh, really? I don't, know if I, I don't know if we've got that even here. I, I don't know about that here. I, Huh. We definitely got pickleball, but no doubt we would. It's just one of those sports that yeah, it's coming. One day it'll just it's coming it'll your just way. Pop up. If I gotta come over there yeah, and teach you what... how to play, I'd be all right with that. <laughs> yeah, and no, I have to come if if you do come like um, to to um, Lake Gardner. Yeah, Gardner. Yeah, yes. You have to have to uh, try and have a pickleball tournament. Oh well, you know what I I want to team up with somebody in the pickleball industry to say. Yeah, to build a pickleball court, you know, on, I want to try it, what it would feel like to bounce it um, on, mm. the, on the salt because, uh, you know, that's very well groomed. You know, we could just do a little groom around that area, you know, the 30 by 60, you know, feet or so. Um, and, you know, what we use at the pits, we, we have this paint um, and it's a... Uh, biodegradable paint that we can uh, yeah. it washes away it does it's very harmless to anything out there uh, to civilization else we wouldn't be using it obviously um and we could yeah. make a pickleball with the lines and the colors and we they got portable nets you can use i'm all in perfect, perfect. and it's good to have something else out, out there and i guess just like great the for all the other Jeez. people to have fun while they're in between i mean you know Racing at the salt flats, you've got to bring your patience out there, especially if you're going out there for one team and you're watching one team. You know, you could be on the sidelines just waiting for your turn. Like with our race, um, when I'm racing the Bub 7 Streamliner, 
Um, we don't race with more than three miles per hour of wind in any direction. And that's why I crashed. I, I, there was too much wind. The wind came up and just, you know, took me by surprise. So um, if you race with wind like that, you know, sit on a bike uh, at the speed of 15 miles per hour of wind, that's bad. <laughs> um, yeah. For me, I'm three miles per hour because our coefficient to drag is point. Zero 0.08 and it is so amazing it would just I would keep rolling and rolling and rolling through and just cutting through the air if I didn't have brakes <laughs> wow Eventually that's um come to a stop so, so you could sit there like literally for a week waiting for under three miles an hour and yeah, just waiting just just yep just make sure that you're balancing it's good for balance <laughs> Yeah, well, you definitely need something like pickleball then to, to spend some time. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I could be playing pickleball and getting my uh, my thrill of pickleball while I'm at the track and on the court. So Perfect. Tell me this. Do you still have the passion that you first had riding around on your bike in Washington as you do now? Do, you, do you still have the same passion? Uh, same passion for riding? Uh, for Yeah, for, for motorcycling in general. Um. Well, it's, it's changed a bit, you know, I have to say, because now when I go out riding, um, I don't ride as much. And now that I do it as a mm. profession, uh, especially before my race events, I stay away from being a rider on the street because I'm afraid to get hurt by others, you know, yeah. or a mistake to happen. And if I'm laid up after all what my team has gone through and done, um, and mm. here I am with a broken foot or, you know, a, a, a pinky gone. <laughs> so I, no, I'm, that's a little bit out of reach, but you know what I mean? Uh, if I got yeah. hurt, um, you know, it's like basketball players. They're not supposed to, you know, professionals are, there's certain things that they shouldn't do and can't do. Um, yeah. you know, I'm at my highest level of racing, racing where I'm at right now. So I don't want to do anything that will jeopardize. Um, my uh, my performance on the track makes sense, but makes I do really love I, I I I still have the passion for writing, um, and I was always told when in Washington, my a couple of my friends had always teased me that I had the pregnant glow when I would ride my motorcycle. I mean, I was <laughs> glowing with just sunshine and as my aura. It was like you know. When women are pregnant, they have an aura. They have this glow about them. And I mean, just my feel of riding a bike was, it's just so incredible. It still feels that way, so. Yeah, it's its something very special. So yeah, motorcycles do something pretty, yeah, pretty special to you, you know? Yeah, a way to a woman's heart is through two wheels. <laughs> it's coming, so when's, <clears throat> Is there any talk of like, obviously it depends on the world, but this year they've canceled speed week in Australia, obviously that's been canned. Is there any talk for next year? Like if the world does change, potentially you do come over? Um, you know, that that's something, the conversation we haven't had. Um, it really depends yep. on how we, as the motorcycle team, how we perform here um, before okay. we can go again. Um, it was, yep. It's going to be a hardship uh, for us to go um, for, you know, some of the crew members and, um, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're getting a little older these days, um, you know, and 
we've got to take care of ourselves. Um, Australia yeah. is a long ways to go um, to yeah. get out there and be in the outback for literally 10, 12 days, um, you know, for knockdown, drag out, and then no civilization, no internet, no, you know, phone calls, no nothing, unless if you want to drive for a few, a couple hours. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, we'll see what the, what, what we can do. We really want to break the world record uh, here in the United States, first and foremost. Um, that yep. is our, our ultimate goal, but and if we want to really do it right, we have to go to Australia. It's the best racetrack there. Um, it's such a great event, Greg, and the rest of those um, volunteer staffs and, and people that work there uh, are so great, you know, to, to mm. provide such an amazing event. And it, I only went once, and I was trying to come two more times, but couldn't make it. <laughs> You've got a movie coming out. What's that? Um, the movie is called Rockets and Titans. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, it started out to be a story about three race teams um, all competing. You know, who would be the first one to win to go to 400 miles per hour? Um, yeah. But now it kind of turned into a different view. Um, it kind of changed it to more of us and our team. Um, and um, Dennis Manning, you know, the, the brains behind all of this with John Jans, Joe Harrelson, and the rest of our team um, really did a wonderful job at showcasing just how much work goes into it. And Dennis Manning is, uh, is, is a Hall of Famer, you know, in many different uh, Hall of Fames. Um, and he is a legend out there. So he's got a story. And he yeah. has a huge story. So um, I'm just, you know, the, the racer that brings lots of sunshine to the race team and um, spark and, and bling to, to everything. And I got a job to do and that's yeah. to go fast. So the, the, uh, getting back to the Rockets and Titans, uh, don't know about uh, a debut for that to be out and about, but um, definitely the COVID um, had some holding us back for a bit, you know, on everything. But yeah. the producer, Andy, and the rest of the guys, they're working really hard at getting it ready to go and, and to be out there. And um, Andy had said, Valerie, there's not going to be a dry eye when you leave the movie theater. So it, I, I'm getting chills wow. right now just thinking about it. So... That's very exciting. I, I watched the trailer for it and I'm like, that's very, yeah. very exciting. Yeah. I wish they would come up with a new teaser for us for a little bit like longer, like a two or a three minuteer, but um, we had one of those three minuteers and it was great. It was so great. Wow. But, um, uh, it, 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 uh, Rocky Robinson and um, the famous uh, Guy Martin is also in it. Of course, Rocky Robinson, because he's the world title holder. He's the fastest man, period. So he's an amazing writer, uh, very talented. And um, so, you know, he's trying to go back out there and go 400 and, and keep his record. He wants his record. He doesn't want anybody to have it. And I don't blame him. But records yeah. are meant to be borrowed. And um, you, so we'll have to just I'll have to loan, he'll have to loan it to me one of these days. <laughs> yeah, you'll definitely, definitely get it. How was your time of going up? Oh, it's awesome. 
Yeah, he, he was yeah. definitely. I, I signed some autographs uh, with him uh, when I was at, in Germany for the Marauder Rod days. And on yeah. my uh, autograph card, I had 217.7 miles per hour. And he, and he kept looking at me like, gosh, how, how, how'd you do 217 miles per hour in a BMW, you know, one mile course? And he's, he kept scratching his head and like thinking about it. He goes, what, what did you do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, so, you know, I told him, you know, we're open book of what, you know, what we got done, you know, but... Um, you know, it, it was just fun to uh, watch him, you know, squabble a little bit. But when he started racing the, for Triumph on the uh, Streamliner side, um, he, he, it was the same year that I started racing in 2016 on the Bub 7. Yep. So we both started racing at the same time. And um, I have two claim to fame. I'm faster than Guy Martin and I'm faster than Danica Patrick. <laughs> Perfect. Well, two, two damn good claims, eh? <laughs> he seems like such a character. He is a character, and he's doing some really great, amazing things out there. You know, he's kind of getting into that. Uh, well, he's doing some van life type stuff, you know, or some rebuilding and re-customizing some vans. And yeah, yeah. gosh, he's in uh, Japan, and, you know, he's got a situation with a toilet. I don't know if you saw that toilet thing. No, <laughs> he was so amazed at how the toilet water comes up and took took the roof out. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's just crazy. an absolute character. He's a character and he and and you know just to watch some of his YouTube um, videos, it's hilarious. And for me, yeah. being here in the United States, his voice, you know, it, how it carries and 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 you know sometimes it's a little difficult to like pay attention to, you know, you or just anyone you know, that from Australia, you know, anybody that talks from, you know, it's, it's different, you know, but when yep. we hear his voice, I hear his voice, I just get a giggle out of it anyways. <laughs> like I get a giggle out of yours. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's got it. I, uh, yeah, I love listening to him talk and you know, he obviously knows how to ride a motorcycle and he, too, just rambles, and he just rambles on. So I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Uh, very good. Well, I'll let you get to your, um, what are you up to? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday evening. Yeah, so, Wednesday uh, evening. It's thank uh, you so 7 o'clock p.m. What time is it? 7 o'clock my time. 7, 7. p.m. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Well, thank you so much for, um, obviously, all the emails. You've downloaded Google Chrome. We've gone through all this. I so know. Thanks so much for doing all that stuff. I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. And make sure everybody, you go to my website, ValerieThompsonRacing.com and Follow my social media. Absolutely. Follow, like, subscribe, share. And not only Please just to like it, but communicate with me because that's my favorite. I get to communicate. When I when they say, hey, I heard you on da 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 show and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, oh, yes. Thank you for listening. And yeah. it's, such a, um, it's such a good thing that the social side of it is awesome with the world now. We yes. can do this stuff. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, and uh, I'll see you around. All righty, thank you so much. Have a great evening.